All right, episode 164 of the Hot Crits Podcast. I'm Travis Shadon, here to tell you guys about Midtown Sports Grill, 4521 Habersham Street. Midtown Sports Grill is Savannah's newest, freshest, raddest sports bar. Uh, they got lunch specials Monday through Sunday, every day of the week, seven days a week, 365, right there in Midtown Savannah at 4521 Habersham Street. Uh, for those of you living in Savannah, it's across from Hirano's, next to the Jones Red and White, next to Barbarito's over there in that shopping center. Go check them out on Facebook, like their page so you can see the daily lunch specials, uh, trivia on Thursdays, live music. Uh, um, I don't remember what day the live music is, but you guys can check it all out on Facebook. That's the best way to follow them as well as on Instagram or online, www.midtownsportsgrill.com. Tell them or show them that you listen to the Hot Grits podcast for a little perk. That's a HGP, a Hot Grits perk. Call ahead for to-go orders, 912-349-6350. A full bar, plenty of craft beers to choose from, all the top shelf liquors to choose from, all the well liquors to choose from, sports all over the walls, trivia, music, outdoor seating. I could go on and on about Midtown. But we got some sports to talk about. So let's get after it for 164th time, Hot Crits Podcast. I hate LeBron James. When God created Adam and Eve, the next thing he did was yell at the referee. But first, some sports. Alright, welcome in episode 164. Did you miss me? Been gone a while. It feels like a thousand things have happened in the sports universe since we last spoke. Uh, last week we had the top four episode that Mike and I had pre-recorded for July 4th. The week prior, there was no HGP episode. Um, and then the week prior was a weekend grits. So we've been out of sorts, but that's part of the summer. Uh, we're ramping up for football. We have actual college football to talk about today. Uh, it's not all, you know, on the field stuff. A lot of it with Georgia off the field. While Georgia and Kirby Smart have been tearing it up on the recruiting trail, another story has made headlines over the last month, and again, like I, you know, it feels like I've been gone for so long. I haven't had a chance to get any of this stuff into the podcast, but a lot of it has changed. Um, and so I'm going to talk about that, the Georgia culture question uh, after the June 9th Atlanta Journal-Constitution article. Um, and I've prepared for a while for it. I, I hope it comes off okay. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, and I'm, I'm going to try to do that without ranting and raving uh, and try to do that in some sort of order. But before the football, before the football, what about them Atlanta Braves? 60 wins before the All-Star break. Maybe I should just not podcast and they'll just continue to be the greatest team ever. Not hyperbole. Not hyperbole at this point. The things that they're doing over an extended period of time, they haven't lost a series since losing to Oakland 
the last weekend in May. The last time the Braves lost the series was to the Oakland Athletics, who are possibly on their way to becoming the worst baseball team ever assembled. Think about that. Baseball is a funny game. The defense has the ball. That's weird. The Braves make it look easy. The Braves make the game of baseball, I mean, look like go fish. They make it look real easy. I wrote about this in a column for Connect Serena this week while we're on the All-Star break. The All-Star break sucks, by the way. The All-Star break sucks. First off, they stole the All-Star game from Atlanta in 2021. Never forget it. This time of year, we need to commemorate the fact that Atlanta got boned out of an All-Star game. They're never going to get one back. Not as long as Manfred's alive. I mean, I don't want to get started down that path, but every year it pisses me off. We're out in Colorado playing the All-Star game. Let's go to Seattle. It's a nice ballpark. It's a nice area. No one wants to go play in Seattle. Nobody wants to play there. Except for Edgar Martinez, maybe. He loved it there. Seattle for the home run derby. Vladimir Guerrero won that. That doesn't do it for me. The All-Star game Tuesday night. Um, I'm going to watch, but like that also doesn't do it for me. And the fact that there's no baseball for four whole days, no real baseball, sucks. And now Major League Baseball is, is doing this thing where they're, they're trying their damnedest to promote the MLB draft. But damn it, man, that thing is too hard to figure out. I mean, it's not difficult to figure out if you can spend 15 minutes, you know, looking at, you know, a rundown of your team's picks and slots and all that. But like, it's not like the NFL or NBA where when you get picked, you just get picked. You can get picked and not signed. Uh, you know, you can use slot bonuses. There's comp- compensatory picks. That word sucks. I hate that word. There's just too much going on. So the fact that they throw that in the middle of the All-Star break, you know, like that's going to appease us. Nah, that ain't it. That ain't it. But the Braves are it. They have hit 169 homers. Is that nice? That's really nice. 169 homers in the first half. They're on pace to set the all-time single-season record for home runs. They lost the, the first half finale. And obviously, when we say first half, it's technically past the halfway point. Um, so, what is it? 80. They've played 89 games. Is that right? Yeah, 60 and 29. The Braves have played... 89 games, so about eight games past the halfway mark. But the All-Star break is essentially separated for the first half and second half, especially when it comes to these all-time numbers and the way they do that. You know, there's some seasons where a team will play, you know, 87 games before the All-Star break. Sometimes they play 90, sometimes 80. So you have to kind of differentiate it like that, first half, second half. But the Braves, I mean, there was hard, it was hard to find a flaw in their game. I don't know how many of you listened to the broadcast on Saturday 
when I think it was AJ Pierzynski was on the call against the Rays. Saturday was the Braves uh, blowout win over the Rays. It, it wasn't a blowout win. It turned into a four or five run win. I can't remember. But anyway, Pierzynski was raving about the fact that the Braves do so many little things right. They do the big things right too. 169 homers. I mean, that's world class. I think before Sunday's finale games, they were 12 homers better than the second place team, the Dodgers. It may have been better than that. Eight and a half game lead in the National League East over the Marlins. 12 games over the Phillies. Braves 22-5-2 overall in series play. They're 13-2 on the road. 11th team to win 60 games before the break in the modern era of baseball. The 674 winning percentage. Best in franchise history. Best in franchise history. So that's where you can start with the Bravos. All of it comes with the caveat. If you don't win a World Series title, none of it fucking matters. We all know that, okay? But rarely in the game of baseball do you get a chance to see the team that you watch play this well for this long. It just doesn't happen. doesn't happen in Little League. doesn't happen in the big leagues. Nowhere in between. That's why baseball is so different. The sustained excellence from the Braves, from so many different guys in so many different areas, is not normal. And there's a reason why guys like Pierzynski are, you know, Pierzynski follows the league, obviously. But he's not watching the Braves every night. And so he sits down in the booth and watches them for a cozy two hours and, and watches them dismantle the team that has been the MLB leader in terms of record all season long, the Rays. The, the Braves took care of business at the trot, boy. I mean, they made that shit look easy. Easy. Bryce Elder got his tits ripped a little bit on Sunday, but shit, at that point, it's not only getaway day. It's all dudes are going to the All-Star game, eight of them for the Bravos, by the way. Or the other guys are going on vacation or going home to see their families. That's a throw-in game. And hell, if anyone ever earned a throw-in game, it was this team. So the world-class offense... And I'll talk about some individuals in a second. They lead the league in homers, lead the league in runs, lead the league in OPS. Um, I think they have seven guys that have hit 14 homers. They have the best catcher in baseball right now. They have the best position player in baseball, Ronald Acuna right now. Orlando Arcee is starting at shortstop for the National League because, of course, he is. Matt Olson leads the National League in homers, 29. He's played in every single game so far, as has Ronald Acuna, as has Ozzy Albies, as has Austin Riley. Now, Riley, he's not lighting the world on fire, but the fact that he posts every day, you don't have to worry about him. Knock on wood. 
And maybe this is just one of those seasons over his eight, six, eight, ten year career with the Braves to where he doesn't post. He doesn't post great numbers at the end of the year. But he's not killing you. He's not killing you. And he shows up every day. Plays an above average third base, I think. I wouldn't say he's gold glove, but above average. Albies has been playing his balls off. He does so many good things at second base. There's a play he made in the hole the other day where Olsen tried to range to his right, but realized the bar was, ball was too far away. So Olsen had to sprint back to the bag. This was also on Saturday. And Albies gets the ball, takes a second, releases the ball before Olsen has even turned around. And then right when Olsen turned around, it was right there in his glove. Incredible. Arcia taking the extra base um, in the ninth inning of that game on Saturday as well. From, I think it was from first base. Maybe from second base. So many little things they do right. But you know what else they're doing really, really well? They're not just hitting the ball. They're pitching the shit out of it. What if I told you that the Braves, with this world-class offense, also leads Major League Baseball in ERA? That's right. The Atlanta Braves are also the best pitching team in all of baseball. Huh. Huh. 3.55 ERA. And they lead the league in home runs. They're only the fourth team to ever do that in the first half at the All-Star break. And guess what the other three teams did when they went into the break with the most home runs in the game and the best pitching in the game? Lowest ERA. They all three won World Series. Okay, so this is the kind of thing I mean. It's like, it's not like it's a nice, you know, 12-game winning streak. We're talking about from the start of the season to the end, there hasn't been prolonged losing. And that just doesn't happen. Maybe they're due. But, you know, the schedule doesn't look all that scary, especially out of the gates. Plus, they're going to get healthier. Plus, they're getting Max Fried back. Ever heard of him? He pitched uh, about 30 pitches in his first rehab assignment on Sunday. So, schedule here. Braves start three games in Chicago. And they have three days off. At the end of the month, they're off Monday, Monday, and Thursday after the All-Star break. So three days off in a two-week time period, FYI. Three games with Chicago, off day on Monday. They stay in Atlanta for three with Arizona, and then three with Milwaukee before an off day. I would guess that Max Fried makes his debut Monday, July 31st in the series opener against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Perhaps, perhaps we get an Otani-Freed matchup. Be nice to see Otani and Acuna go head-to-head, the two guaranteed MVPs. Acuna is going to do numbies. I mean, I have his pace right here. He, he's been insane. He's played in every game at the leadoff spot, okay? He's got 44 walks and only 49 strikeouts. That doesn't happen in baseball anymore. It used to be where there'd be, you know, a handful of guys in the league that would walk more than they struck out. That doesn't happen in the league anymore, period. 
He's almost at a 50-50 clip. 44 walks, 49 Ks. 331, 408, 582 slash line. 21 homers, 41 stolen bases, 55 RBIs. That's what he has right now. Okay? This is what Ronald Acuna is on pace to do. 38 homers, 144 runs, 103 RBIs, 75 stolen bases, 331, 408, 582. Now he's played in every game, so the predicted pace slash line obviously isn't going to adjust. That would make him far and away the leader in plate appearances for the season, should he play all 162, which he likely won't if the Braves hold on to this lead for a certain amount of time. You know what I mean? Like if they're up nine games, and or if they clinch with nine games to go in the regular season, Guys are going to start playing three, four, five innings. Okay. They're probably not going to get a lot of off days because I don't know that Snicker wants to do that. And again, I'm assuming they win the division and get a bye in the first round. I don't know that Snicker wants to do that thing where they're getting rest because it didn't work well against the Phillies last year. I think he's going to want them to stay in shape, but it'd be nice to be able to pull them in the fourth inning, you know, down the stretch in September when the rosters expand. But Sean Murphy has been, has been. I mean, this might be one of the greatest trades in Braves history so far. He's on pace to hit 31 homers, 100 RBIs, 78 runs. He's hitting 306, 400, 509. I'm sorry, 599 slugging. That's what he's on pace to hit. 306, 400, 599 from your catcher. 31 homers, 100 RBIs from your catcher. It's been incredible. What about all the other guys? Not named Olsen, not named Acuna, not named Albies. Yeah, they've been pretty damn good too. Ozuna, 29 home runs. I mean, I'm sorry, that's Matt Olsen, a different MO. Marcelo Ozuna, yes, that Marcelo Ozuna has also played consistently good. So has Eddie Rosario. So has Travis Darno, who homered the last day of the first half in Tampa. I got Ozuna's numbers here. Of course I have his numbers. 17 homers on the year for Ozuna, and we would have taken that for the full season 100%. He's got it at the All-Star break. He's got it at the All-Star break. This was a guy, Marcelo Ozuna, that hit .89 in April. He was the worst qualifying hitter in the game of baseball for an entire month. And now he's just slotted in right there in the middle of the bottom part of Brian Snicker's lineup, which is absolutely loaded top to bottom. Michael Harris has turned it completely around at the bottom of the lineup, which has led to Ronald Acuna's ability to be on pace to drive in 100 runs. From the leadoff spot. Rosario, 14 homers, 788 OPS. Michael Harris, over his final 25 games, is hitting 355. Like I said, Darno limited action because he was hurt for most of, or, you know, a lot of the first month, month and a half of the season. And 
Well, not, I shouldn't say that to start the season, but he was hurt for a large chunk. But he's still got eight home runs, maybe nine. Check me on that. Strider, 11-2, 3.44ERA. Charlie Morton, 9-6, 3.43ERA. The Braves have a chance to have two 20-win pitchers in 2023. They also had the NL's leader in ERA, Bryce Elder, before Sunday afternoon. 7-2, 2.97 earning. Nice guy, Michael Soroka. Still ain't doing it for me, but when you have an eight-and-a-half game lead and you're hitting the shit out of everything, you can really afford to throw guys like that out there. Colby Allard, of course he comes up and is just throwing BBs, because why wouldn't he? Charlie Culberson. You know what? Charlie Culberson, as long as the Braves stay this hot, I think he knows his role here. He is the anti-Pablo Sandoval. You ever see uh, Charlie Culberson? at all during any of the Braves broadcasts. You see him uh, holding up charades or holding up a cute, funny poster. Definitely no panda. You don't hear a peep from him. He's just in there pulling strings. Big truck. Still hasn't gotten in that bat. Just getting those big league flights, that big league paycheck, them big league accommodations, them big league bench time. But maybe he's the spark plug. The bullpen, probably, before August 1st, you probably got to do one or two things there. If you're Alex Anthopoulos, it's almost like this team is so good, you don't. there's not really a lot you need to improve, but you also don't want to. This team is so good, you can't waste this. Oh, man. If they win the World Series this year, and let me tell you guys, you know this, we're baseball guys here, gobs of baseball left. I wouldn't be stunned at all if the Braves won 115 games and then lost in four games in a best of in a best of five. Or lost in six games in a best of seven. Wouldn't shock me at all. That's baseball, after all. But right now there's really not anyone in the National League that I think should scare the Atlanta Braves. And I'm not sure there's a lot of teams in the American League. That should scare the Atlanta Braves. Fan graphs, this is a crazy number. I was giving you guys um, earlier in the season pretty steadily those fan graphs World Series odds. And if you'll remember, they were usually 13, 14, 12. Sometimes it bounced up to 18%. Because, you know, to pick one team to win a World Series, the odds are never going to be great. The Braves have a 24.1% chance to win the World Series, according to Fangrass, the prohibitive favorite. Do you know who's in second place? The Dodgers, 12.2%. Braves, 24.1%. Second place, Dodgers, 12.2%. That's nuts. Third place, Rays, 12.1%. The Dodgers, their lineup just doesn't do anything for me. Their rotation isn't all that great. But, I mean, they're capable of going to get a piece or two. Surely we know that. that They'll go get something if they feel like they need it. The Rays are scuffling. 
nobody out of the central. The Rangers are really good, but they they like they're scuffling too. I don't know that they're gonna really be a threat in the American League to advance, but they could do that for sure. But in the National League, nobody like the Brewers, Diamondbacks, Phillies, Marlins. They they don't scare me. Dodgers. We already you know got rid of that curse. We got over that hill. It's been such a terrific first half for this team. And no matter what happens, we should appreciate being able to watch something like this. Uh, As opposed to being able to watch the All-Star game, which doesn't mean anything. And I'm not sure that there's anything Major League Baseball can do to fix it. They tried to do it where the winning team, the winning league got home field advance in the World Series. That was gimmicky. That was never going to work. They backed off of that. For sure. And I don't think they should go back to it. But Tuesday night, if you're listening to this game, might have already been played. But Tuesday night all-star game, I believe it's Garrett Cole starting for the American League team on the mound. You guys know Garrett Cole. He has famous uh, pump-up speeches like this one. Um, yeah, so, you know. Yeah, you know that Garrett Cole. He sounds a lot like a uh, like an animated frog of a certain fame. Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here, and this is a mystery box. Um. Yeah. So you know. Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here, and this is a mystery box. Um. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, so you know Garrett Cole. That's him. He's starting for the American League, and he'll get to start by facing Big Ronnie, Ronnie Baseball, Ronald Acuna. It would be pretty sick. Pretty sick if Ronnie just took him deep, way out there in Seattle. It's only one of the greatest teams ever. They're never going to get an All-Star game. Worst thing Rob Manford could have ever done was take that damn All-Star game away. All the Braves have done is beat the hell out of everyone since then with the World Series title to boot and potentially one on the way this season. All right, we talk a lot about world championships, uh, Super Bowls, titles of all kinds. But there's one guy, one man, who knows all about championship mentality. And that's our guy, Johnny Carr. You guys know him, you love him. Uh, He's the 38-time Realtor of the Month at Seaport Real Estate. I wouldn't just make that up either. Here's what you do. If you want to buy or sell real estate in the Savannah area, text or call John Carr today, 912-228-0916, 912-228-0916. John is a native of Savannah. He knows this city like the back of his hand. And I promise you one day of interacting with Johnny Carr and you'll know why we vouch for him so hard on this podcast. He gets the job done and he's a top five nice guy all time. What else could there be? Plus all those records for Realtor of the Year. I mean, This guy's got it all, full package. John Carr, check him out today. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 912-228-0916. 912-228-0916. John Carr, Realtor, segment sponsor here on the Hot Grits Podcast. All right, so that was plenty of the Braves talk, and there was lots to talk about. But we missed some other stuff in the sports world too, so we'll kind of just bounce around. Sticking to that theme of the MLB All-Star game, not mattering, Um, The NBA announced on Saturday their in-season tournament. 
um, the knockout rounds, the tournament detail, the format, the teams, the divisions. And, you know, at first glance, when you just read the headline of the press release or you see the graphics on Instagram or Twitter, Facebook, and your instant reaction is understandably so, who cares? Or what are they up to now? What's the NBA? Like, what's the angle? Why are they doing this when it seems like nobody would care about an imaginary championship? But the thing is that every title, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Stanley Cup, what are some other titles? The college football playoff committee, the college football playoff national championship, the BCS, like all of those things at one point in time had their first year where there was no prior year. It had just been invented. It had been imaginary before that. I'm not implying that the NBA's in-season tournament, which I'll detail here in, a, in just a second, I'm not implying that, let's see, what's it called? That the NBA Cup, which is what the players will be playing for, along with a nice chunk of coin, uh, all the players, all the teams, will be playing for money. So, all 30 NBA teams are going to play. They're going to play their regular season games, their regular season schedule. But on November 3rd, I should say starting November 3rd and ending November 28th, every Tuesday and Friday night between November 3rd and November 28th will be, quote, tournament nights. That's where every game in the league will feature a game that counts, like the, the game, a game that counts in the in-season cup. Sorry, I'm trying to spit this out here without getting too bogged down, but there's kind of a lot of details to it. But the main summary is, the main comp is the World Cup. You got your groups, three groups in each conference, and then you have so six group winners, two wild cards. So out of the 30 teams – eight will advance to what's called the knockout stage. And they'll do that by picking the six winners of the group. So you you can win your group by performing well on those Tuesday and Friday nights from November 3rd to November 28th. The teams that advance out of that will advance to the knockout round. So the knockout stage will be a single elimination, just like the World Cup. And they'll serve as the quarterfinals. They'll be played in the NBA market. So which, whoever wins the group or like whoever's the highest seed will host those games. They'll be played on December 4th and December 5th. So November 3rd, November 28th, group stage. December 4th, Monday. December 5th is the knockout rounds. Single elimination. So, fumbling everything, fumbling cups, fumbling NBA cups. But the teams that advance out of the knockout stage that win those games on the fourth and fifth will compete for a prize pool of money that will be allocated evenly across the roster that wins. So, if you come in first place, your team gets this amount of money. They divide that by how many players played, and the players get that money in their bank account. If you get to the knockout stage, 
you're automatically going to get money. Simply by playing in the NBA in-season tournament, you're not going to make money. So there's incentive there for players that may sit out November games, back-to-backs. There's incentive for them to want to play, at the very least, on those Tuesday and Friday nights, which are big nights for the NBA early in the season. Not big in terms of the number of views, but big because it's the only nights of the week that there's no NFL going on. You know, the old saying, the NBA doesn't start till Christmas Day. Well, that's what the NBA is trying to change. And maybe they can. Like, I'm not as down on this. I, you know, I'm not, like, up on it either. I don't. It doesn't really matter. But I like that the NBA recognized the problem. I mean, we all recognize the problem when, you know, the first two months of your season are admittedly not as important as the rest of the season. So they're going to try this method to fix it. And it's well thought out. I mean, there's a lot of minute details. I like the fact that the regular season schedule doesn't get messed up. Like, you know, the Celtics and and Raptors are already going to play. And so now they'll play on a Tuesday or Friday during that stretch. And it'll count as one of the groups because they're in the same group. It'll count as one of the tournament games on Tuesday and Friday night. That means every Tuesday and Friday night in November – the NBA across the league has tournament nights going on. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. And I don't expect it to be valued anywhere near a world title, like a, uh, winning the whole thing. Nobody does. But maybe we can get Kawhi in the gym. Maybe we get Kyrie in the gym. Hell, maybe even Ben Simmons shows up, gets a shot or two up. Who knows, but all I know is that the NBA saw a problem. Players sitting out, load management, nobody caring about the league early on in November and December. And they recognized if we're going to do this in-season tournament, how can we entice the players that it matters? Give them an NBA cup? No, no, no. Give them money. Show them the money. That's how you get them to show up at least twice a week for November. So entice them with money, have a good solid format Tuesday and Friday. It's not hard to remember. Only for one month, November 3rd to the 28th. You knock out more than half of the in-season tournament right there. And then you go to a single elimination game where money is on the line. That has the potential to be really good. I'm not going to go through all the groups Um, essentially think of the groups as divisions. Again, there's six of them, three in each conference. Um, East Group A, Sixers, Cavaliers, Hawks, Pacers, Pistons. East Group C, Celtics, Nets, Raptors, Bulls, Magic. So you kind of see what it looks like. Um, Here's one in the West, Memphis, Phoenix, Lakers, Jazz, Blazers. Okay, so all those teams were going to be playing each other anyway. Intra-division, intra-conference. So might, well, might as well make the games mean a little extra something. Or at least try it. If it doesn't work, scrap it. What, what the NBA did with this was that they took... They've probably been discussing this for a year, maybe two, maybe three years. MLB, it took them 40, 50 years 
to finally come to grips with their problems and try to address them. And look how well that's turned out. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. So who knows? Plus, if uh, LeBron wins one, he'll have more in-season cups than Michael Jordan. Mike never won one of these. Mike never won one of these. Um, Let's circle back to the in-season cup, a couple things real quick. The semifinals, so there's 67 total games in the in-season tournament. Group play, knockout stage, semifinals. The 68th game, the championship, which will be at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. um, You think they won an NBA team? You think they won an NBA team hosting this thing? Anyway, so that will be at a neutral site. The 68th championship game will not count towards regular season standings. Every other game will. So of the 68 total games, including the championship, 67 of them will count towards the regular season standings. So nothing will change if you're a purist in that way. And the championship, which is set for December 9th, Go ahead and check out and see what December 9th lies just before, just after. It's a nice little window there. Probably right around Heisman time. Right after the college football conference championships. um, And then before bowl season. I don't know. I think it's a good idea. Maybe the Hawks can get a title. Maybe the Celtics can get a title. I'm hoping it's... uh, I hope the Magic win or somebody just boo-boo. Give the Pistons an in-season tournament NBA Cup. Be sick. What about a little golf news? Ricky Fowler, Slick Rick, won a couple weeks ago at the Travelers Championship. He's all the way back, folks. He's a lock for the Ryder Cup, I would think. And maybe he can show up next week at the British Open. It's not called the Open. It's the British Open. Win a war by yourself, and then we'll call it the British Open. But until then, until you know, as long as we're helping you win every war you've ever won, and we're glad to do so, but you know, you never won a war by yourself. You needed us every time. The one time we went toe-to-toe, we kicked that ass. Thank you, George Washington. Fans of this podcast will know every year around this time. I will stick to this forever. It's not called the Open. It's called the British Open. They don't get to decide that. Just like they didn't get to decide taxation without representation. How'd that go for you, Britt? High school football, one month away. High school football is one month away, August 17th. Most of the teams will be kicking off. Check me on that. It might be the 18th. Whatever the Friday is there. Uh, So basically just over a month away from high school football starting um, and I'll have a bunch of Connect Savannah previews going. I've been working on those lately and are starting to get them wrapped up now. And they'll start coming out probably the last week in July. I'll go over best returning quarterbacks. Um, I got a list of 23 players I like in 2023, which I had a lot of fun doing <laughs> doing that. We'll have a schedule, a team-by-team schedule for every team in the Savannah area. Um, including Evingham, South Evingham, Bryan County, private schools, public schools, St. Andrews, Bethesda, 
and I'm missing one Memorial Day. So we'll have all that team schedules. Um, we'll see. What are the other ones? Oh, coaching carousel. Look, let you know what teams have new head coaches, where they went, um, who replaced them, new notable offensive and defensive coordinators, and team by team capsules with my thoughts, like with their wrap up of 2022, how they did it, and who they got coming back, who they don't have coming back, all that jazz. But with high school football right around the corner, I have a little bit of news regarding Benedictine football, the back-to-back class for a state champs, four titles in the last nine seasons, BC looking for a three-peat. And they'll have to do so without being on the radio live. I was trying to figure out how to word that. They won't have the radio live calls with Kevin Thomas or with anybody on 104.3 as they have the last two seasons, maybe three, but it won't happen again this year. Like for people like me, that was awesome to have them on every night. Cause obviously BC marquee brand. So it was nice. Like if I'm on the way to another game to, to cover another game or on the way back, I can always catch BC in those moments between usually they're up by 30 before I get in the parking lot of another game. Uh, you know, so it doesn't matter, but um, you'll remember last year around this time, around August, I think it was, that Bill Shanks, Shanks Broadcasting, took over ESPN Coastal, 104.3 p.m. That was uh, BJ, Kevin, Ben Troop, those guys, three and out in the afternoon. Um, Christian Gokel, PJ Zuko, you know him if you're from Savannah, but so that was like a year ago when they made that transition. They were out, Bill Shanks in. And I confirmed with Shanks this week uh, about you know the possibility of BC being back on the radio every Friday night on 104.3, and that's not going to happen this year. That's not to say that BC won't figure something else out. But, you know, last case, best case scenario, or let's say last case, you could always pay the nine ninety nine a month and watch them home and away, basically every game uh, on NF, nfhs.org. And also you could just go to Midtown Sports Grill every BC game night and watch the game there on the big screens, on the TVs uh, with food and beverages brought to you like real Kings do instead of watching it on your tablet at home eating soup. If you're a BC fan, you should definitely be making plans to watch the road games uh, and even some of those home games. Jenkins week one, we know how that went last year (laughs) with the shots never heard round any of the world uh, at Memorial Stadium. So they'll be doing that again this year. Maybe that's one you want to go to Midtown Sports Grill and watch. All right, Georgia Southern, then Georgia. Preseason predictions for Georgia Southern. I figured I'd run through this quickly. Uh, the Sunbelt Conference media days are at the end of the month, July 25th and 26th. Georgia Southern will be at the podium on the 26th. Um, and that's, you know, that's always an event you need to watch if you're a Georgia Southern fan. They're likely going to call them the Panthers at some point. Remember, and I think it was Lunsford's last season. At the helm, they had the Georgia State Panthers, like, banner hanging draped over the Georgia Southern table where Lunsford sat 
Classic Sunbelt. And, of course, they're back in New Orleans. They love the state of Louisiana. Can't come to Atlanta. I guess Atlanta's not big enough. Not not enough of a sports town. Definitely not a college football town, Atlanta. It's only where the College Football Hall of Fame lives. It's the capital of college football in the world. You have a team right there in Atlanta. You got a team in Statesboro. App State, probably not far away from Atlanta. Troy, Coastal. But no, let's go appease Louisiana and Louisiana Lafayette. Come on in, Texas State. Come on down. Sunbelt. Sunbelt's love affair with Louisiana. Strange and predictable. Anyways, a couple of uh, preseason magazine predictions for Georgia Southern. Lindy's has them finishing 6-6. Six and six, 92 overall in the country. They have them finishing third in the Sunbelt East. Uh, Athlon, 6-6. Six and six. 97 overall in the country. Athlon has Georgia Southern finishing fifth in the Sunbelt East. Um, last year, 2021, we know Georgia Southern went six and seven. Three and five in the Sunbelt, they finished fourth in the East. And I think really for Georgia Southern, it's going to come. And I wrote, I wrote this in my preview for Lindy's. I write the Georgia Southern previews for Lindy Mag- Lindy's Magazine since 2018. And I want to say this quickly. For any of you that read those magazines and think that the writers of each team preview have anything to do with the predictions for the conference, for instance, I have no say in how Lindy's picks Georgia Southern to finish or where they rank them. And neither do any of the other writers, uh, which is how most of these magazines do it. They contract one writer for each team, usually a beat writer that you've probably heard of if you're following that team. They submit the story, they pay you one time, and that's it. So you don't have any editorial control. Um, you don't have I mean you don't have any say in how they pick. But I feel like a lot of people think that you know that Phil Steele does it so perfectly. And I love Phil Steele's magazine. Like it's obviously a valuable tool. It's the best one out there. But the purpose of preseason college football magazines, which are a staple in the college football world, is not to be some sort of encyclopedia. You know what I mean? It's $10. You scoop it up off the shelf, and you can see where your team's going to be predicted. You can read about your team. You can see the depth chart, quotes, spring camp wrap-up. You can do all that and get, get excited. Put it on the shelf. Add it to the collection from years prior. So you don't take them too seriously, but it's just a sign Every year when those things come out in late May, late May, I should say, like late May to late June, they usually come out. That means the college football is right around the corner. So it's nothing to be mad about how they predict them. But for me, I think the Georgia Southern season comes down success-wise to winnable, winnable home games. Georgia State, Thursday night, national television. UAB at home, Ball State at home. They might be on the road at Ball State. Might be on the road at Ball State. Check me on that. But the, the, the theme from last year was that they were playing in one possession games all the time. They played in eight 
Eight of them. They went four and four. Okay, so they weren't like bad in one possession games, but they weren't good at them. And if you're going to be in eight of them, you'd like to think that you're, you'd work a lot on close game scenarios. It's tough to win, tough to grind out those one possession wins when, when you're a pass happy offense. But I think the rest of the conference is, is especially like the rest of the coaches and assistants and people that follow the Sunbelt pretty closely. I think a lot of people are, are high on Georgia Southern's chances to move up from that mid echelon that they've been kind of trapped in since 2018. I mean, they've been pretty mid. They've been pretty Reggie. They've been pretty average. It's not like bad by any means, but you know, when you're finishing six and six, six and seven, seven and six, bowl game here, bowl game there. But Georgia Southern has never, I shouldn't say never, has not really ever had a chance to play for a Sunbelt title with a week or two to play. They've almost always been eliminated. Uh, usually like right there in early November. Sometime in there. So it'd be nice if they could go a whole season and try to like contend, see if something crazy happens down the stretch. Sunbelt should be pretty good again this year. They've been one of the best, in my opinion, they have been the best group of five conference over the last five years, and I'm not sure it's that close. Um, so there's some notes on Georgia Southern. I'm going to be talking about them, obviously, every week during the season, writing about them as well for ConnectSavannah.com. Next up for them on their docket, July 25th and 26th, Sunbelt Conference Media Days. The Lady and Sons Restaurant, a segment sponsor here on the Hot Grits Podcast, 102 West Congress Street, Lady and Sons. You guys probably know the name, Paula Dean, Jamie Dean. Uh, They have their restaurant, obviously, at 102 West Congress Street, but then the store right next door, literally right next door to the restaurant, also on Congress Street, open seven days a week, 11 to 9, Monday through Thursday, and then 11 to 10 on Friday and Saturdays. 912-233-2600, 912-233-2600, is the number for Lady and Sons. Find them on Facebook and ladyandsons.com. All right, speaking of college football media days, Georgia and the SEC up next, July 17th through July 20th, SEC media days. Georgia representatives Brock Bowers, Kamari Lassiter, Cedric Van Pran, three juniors from Kirby Smart's team, will be representing the Bulldogs along with Smart. I uh, forget where the SEC media days are. They used to have them in Hoover. I think they've been in Destin before. Um, nobody really gives a shit where it is. The fact is that Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs are going to have a lot of non-football questions to answer. Um, and... A lot of people will say that's because of the, you know, the media. It's the media. All the media is out to get us because we won football games. A lot of people will say that. 
It happens everywhere. Not just here. But the questions coming to Kirby Smart will be about the AJC saga, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution saga that has been going on um, really since January 15th, the night that uh, Devin Willock and Chandler LaCroix died in a fatal car accident in Athens, which involved other players, Warren McClendon, and it also involved star Jalen Carter. You know that story by now. For sure, you know that story by now. Maybe the only reason you believe that story by now is because uh, the AJC didn't crack the case. Because clearly, no matter what amount of reporting that the AJC or any other place does, if anyone, not the AJC, if anyone wrote, and I'm going to tell you the story I'm talking about in just a second. I mean, if you've been awake in the last week, week and a half, you know what I'm talking about here. But if anybody writes something so dedicated and investigative into the University of Georgia football program, it's always, always, always going to be denied outright, flatly, you're lying by the fans. The fans are always going to say that. And I don't blame them. Because the allegations in the AJC, well, let's start here. Hold on. On June 9th, the AJC published a free-to-read, you don't need a subscription to read it, 4,500-plus word story about Georgia's culture off the field under Kirby Smart. The leading reporter, writer, Alan Judd, Alan with one L, Judd, J-U-D-D, at the Atlanta Journal. uh, That's who's reporting and writing all this stuff. And within the story, there is so much that we didn't know. And there is so much that is cringeworthy about it. That me, who I've said dozens and dozens of times on this podcast, never put your athletes on a pedestal, never expect them to be better, worse, or different than the average citizen besides in athletics. Sometimes they are. You know what I mean? Sometimes an athlete is also a foremost expert in in another field. Like that, you know, that's possible. But more often than not, they're just like normal human beings. Some of them are world-class citizens. Some of them are criminals. Most of them are just in between. They're just normal people living their life, doing what they love if they're in college, and doing what they're getting paid for if they're in the pros. So I don't expect fans, or anyone else for that matter, to expect flawlessness off the field. What I do expect is for the University of Georgia and the leadership at at the athletics department and the football program to be better than the fans. But man, this week it's been the opposite. So, you know, if you've gotten this far in the episode, then just a peek behind the glass, beginning, some portions of this episode were recorded on Monday, portions were recorded on Tuesday. 
some portions were recorded on Sunday. So this story has been kind of evolving and I don't know, I wouldn't say picking up steam. But it's not the story I'm talking about. It's not the June 9th, 2023 AJC fully reported story. It's another story later in June written by Judd himself, which is not as in-depth in the reporting, which leaves a lot to be desired. But I'm confident Judd and the AJC made those decisions, not because they hate the University of Georgia, or they have some sort of agenda to bring Georgia down. The idea that, that there's a preconceived narrative by the AJC to hunt and take down Georgia and to have a narrative, and therefore they're going to use the next, because Judd has said the reporting started after Jalen Carter, after Leroy, uh, LaCroix, after Willock, after the wreck on January 15th. Okay, so seven months later, the June 9th story comes out. Two weeks after that story comes out. And I didn't hear a lot of people complaining about that story, which is titled, Out of Control. Reckless culture off the field marks UGA football team. That's a pretty standard title, in my opinion. Out of control. Reckless culture off the field marks UGA football team. So Google that one. You're looking for the June 9th, 2023 story. You tell me if you've read this story yet. Because I didn't read it, hand up, until Jan- or until July Third, almost a month later, and I like to think I'm sort of like plugged in on this stuff. Like I respect long-form reporting and investigative journalism. I like reading that kind of stuff because I'm really interested in the craft of how that happens from the writer's end. That's a little nerdy. But when it comes to a team that I have an allegiance to, like, Obviously, most people listening will know that like I root for Georgia. I grew up rooting for Georgia. I, I've become a little less fanatical about it all, but I, I, I'm pretty confident that I'm well-versed in the University of Georgia football goings-on. As far as if, if, some, if a news story comes out, I've usually read it or seen it within a day or two after it comes out. But I missed this one, and I wonder why that is. I wonder why that is. If a University of Georgia football player wins a Player of the Week award, we hear about it all over the place. But when the AJC publishes seven months' worth of reporting about Georgia's speeding, Georgia's driving recklessness, Georgia's repeated infractions, of the same kind, infractions like excessive speeding, street racing, driving under the influence. Those are all traffic ones. The AJC also reports in the June 9th story, quote, players have illegally brought weapons onto Georgia's campus. They've gotten into bar fights. They've been charged with domestic violence and sexual assault, end quote. Okay, when a sentence like that is written, by a professional investigative reporter, he doesn't give a shit about your football team. Those are factual words 
form together to form a factual sentence. Whether you or I like it or not, these are the facts. Under Kirby Smart, 350 athletes have committed traffic offenses nearly 300 times. 300 times. Now, I'm not a parent. I'm certainly not a college football legendary coach like Coach Smart. But I do think I know this to be true. If you're trying to discipline a child or a player or anyone for that matter, when you lay down the rule, the law, the mandate, the maximum amount, any sort of rule or law that you want to implement, you can do a three-strike rule. You can do a one-strike and you're out. You can do a scaled one like baseball does with steroids. First time you're caught, we're going to punish you. Second time you're caught, we're going to punish you a little more. Third time you're caught, we are really going to take away your legacy and potentially alter the rest of your life. It's a scaling method, okay? But baseball players don't get popped 300 times because they can't afford it. Can't have that happen. Unless you're at the University of Georgia where it's allowed to happen. And not only is it allowed to happen, it's allowed to be swept under the rug until places like the AJC find out about it. Go read this story. I'm confident you haven't read it. It's free. And I promise you, you will learn things that you never knew before about players for Georgia from 2016. Many of them have gone on to the pros. They're in the pros. You'll know these names. And it's not the names you're thinking of. It's not Jalen Carter. Nothing to do with that car accident. These are all the stories we did not hear about because they got fixed and handled by the Athens Police Department, by the Athens District Attorney, by the University of Georgia football program, and their bona fide fixer of things. The problem is that the news cycle and all the talking heads who want to talk about, oh, uh, Josh Pate, I saw this, uh, everybody's favorite guy, the the smooth-talking Josh Pate. Uh, (laughs) He basically railed the story without railing it, but he never once mentioned the June 9th story. He mentions the story that everyone was so freaked out about because of a bad headline. Here's an insider's tip. Uh, Most every story that you see, whoever wrote it had nothing to do with the headline. People like Josh Pate in the industry should know that. I know that. Certainly, the University of Georgia's sports information department knows that. That's what editors are for. Do you think writers get to choose their own photos? Does the quarterback punt? 
And if you're complaining about a headline, which most of you are, if you're complaining about a picture of Adam Anderson, which most of you were, you're the kind of people that don't matter. You didn't read the story. Oh, and you have to pay for it to read it. Do you know how much money, if you're a diehard Georgia fan, I can pretty much guarantee that you're spending a shit ton of money every single season in one way or another to support the University of Georgia. If you're not interested in this for $2.99, then what we already knew has now been further confirmed. That in reality, none of us really give a shit. Keep winning. Don't kill anybody. Except for that's already happened. January 15th. Don't harm anybody except for that happened. Again, see the June 9th story. Talking about Kenny McIntosh. Talking about James Cook. Talking about Nolan Smith. Endangering other people's lives. Stories that we never found out about. That, to me, spells a rotten culture. Again, we don't care. Georgia fans, they don't care. Just win, baby. And Kirby knows that better than anyone. I go back and forth on this. I'm not sure who's more to blame. The University of Georgia's leadership? Or the Athens-Clark County Police Department? And the district attorney for allowing a football coach to come in and basically take over the jurisdiction. Kirby didn't know about it. What, what's he supposed to do? All boys 18 speed. Have you heard Kirby Smart's halftime speeches? You ever heard those? You ever heard those? But he's not their parent. He's not their role model, right? He can't tell them what to do. Go listen to those halftime speeches and you tell me if Kirby Smart has the ear of his players. If he cared enough, he doesn't, and I'm not saying he should. Hell, it's been working out just fine. I mean, you got to deal with a, uh, a fake news story like this AJC story every now and then. If that's the cost for winning a natty or two, hmm, sign him up. Sign him up. Kirby would be down for that. And he has shown time and time again that he is down for that. You don't get credit for releasing Adam Anderson from your team. It's almost like they want us to think we kicked Adam Anderson off immediately. We kicked him off immediately. He still hasn't been charged. We kicked him off immediately. You don't get a plaque for that. That's the baseline. That's like knowing how to throw the ball and run the ball. What does Kirby always say? Comes down to tackling and blocking. When the charges that were brought against Adam Anderson were brought, it was a no-brainer decision. Not because Adam Anderson was too corrupt to play for the dogs. That's tough to do these days. I mean, Isaiah Crowell on this team? He'd be a uh, uh, he'd be a class act. He'd be Tim Tebow for the dogs. 
You kidding me? Back in Mark Rick's era, dudes were getting sussies for uh, signing their jerseys. Now you high-speed race and kill two people indirectly, and you get a $1,013 fine, which is what Jalen Carter received after pleading no contest to that January 15th incident. When people choose to read headlines and attack journalists, newspapers, media outlets, it tells me everything I need to know about you. You're so conceited, so locked into your own opinion that anything that diverts that opinion and God forbid proves that opinion wrong with fact, you got to attack that thing. Whether it be a person, uh, a newspaper, an individual reporter, another coach, anyone that gets in your way, you kick their ass, you win the game, and you move on. And that's the way that Georgia's handling this right now. It's like a gateway drug. Speeding, reckless driving is a lot different than sexual assault. But what I believe Judd and the rest of the AJC team did, and they could have done it better, I guess, but I believe what they did was show with prior known knowledge, new knowledge, and discovered knowledge through records requests, text messages, email exchanges, videos, all of it. A detective sitting on one side of a table, a Georgia football player sitting on the other side, discussing the alleged rape of a woman. That video exists. But according to the University of Georgia, The police report declined to file charges against this young man, Mr. Jarrett, who had himself a grand old time in Athens, drinking underage, as one does in Athens, no problem. Uh, then went and got himself sucked off because, hell, he's about to be a Georgia football player, bro. If he wants to get his dick sucked, he's going to get his dick sucked whether she wants to or not. And if the officer sitting on the other side of that table, hears his version of events, then he hears the victim's version of events. He decides that, you know, he looks at the evidence and he decides that no criminal act was committed. No criminal act was committed. The woman, no criminal charges were ever even brought. So the woman can go back into the police station and file charges if she wanted to. Now, why wouldn't she just do that? Why wouldn't she just do that? This poor woman, who was allegedly raped, sexually abused, 
by the Georgia football recruit Jarrett. Is his last name? If she expect if she's expected to walk in that police station, give her name publicly, which it's already been leaked by old white men Georgia football fans who probably have daughters and granddaughters. Who probably have daughters and granddaughters that this could have just as easily happened to. Those are the same people that are saying, if he raped her, why doesn't she come out and say it? Those people are idiots too. She would be ruining the rest of her life, certainly on any kind of internet platform. Facebook, deleted already. Twitter, Instagram, gone. Snapchat, gone. You may laugh at that and think, oh, no big deal. But you go delete all your social media apps right now. You suffer the constant harassment of being told you're a liar. You're trying to bring down this guy because you have some vendetta against the Georgia football team. When in fact, the young woman in the Jarrett case told the officer across him she wanted to file charges. But the officer's report came back and said, nah, no charges. So they wiped their hands clean of it. And then now that police report is being used to justify the premise. This guy never did anything wrong. Look, it says it right here in the police report. Jake Rowe. I respect him a lot. I read all of his stuff on Georgia. Love it. I think he's missed the boat on this too. He, instead of focusing on the rampant lack of control, whether it be for minor things, if Georgia had 300 seatbelt tickets under Kirby Smart, that would raise an eyebrow for me. That means that we have a problem very clearly, okay, We have a lot of bright minds working around it. We have a lot of people invested in this team, these players, this roster, this program, this university doing well. Let's go ahead and nip this seatbelt thing in the problem. Let's go ahead and click it, click it, click it again, or tick it. Let's make sure it stops happening. Okay? If it was that minor and they still couldn't fix it, That would be a problem. That tells me that when you know you have a problem, you still can't fix it. Except for Georgia might have already thought they fixed it. For them, it's not about limiting the number of players cited for traffic citations or players getting arrested. No, 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 no. It's not about that. Georgia has fixed this. Not by stopping the incidents from happening. No, instead, Georgia thinks it's fixed it. (laughs) By basically controlling the Athens District Attorney's Office through a third-party man listed on the coaching staff or the support staff of the football team at the University of Georgia. And I should say his name if I'm going to keep mentioning him. What is his name? Gant. 
I've got about a thousand pages here. Can't find Gant's name. The knucklehead man. Anyway, last name Gant. G-A-N-T-T. Bryant Gant. B-R-Y-A-N-T. Here's a, here's a snippet from the June 9th story from the AJC. Again, free to read. If you care about the Georgia Bulldogs and you can read, you need to read this story right away before making any comments about a story that came three weeks later. You had better read this story first. If not, I can't take you serious. I can't take you serious. Claim to like Georgia. This is the, the biggest story they've faced off the field in the modern era. Instead of being concerned with it, instead of being, trusting the facts, which as we know, the facts don't come from college football coaches. We've been over this. Their agenda is to one man and one man only, themselves. Because if they do well, that means the team's doing well. That means their career's doing well. Their family's doing well. Everything's fine and dandy. So whatever it takes to give them the best chance to win, that's what they're going to do. Whether it's at the podium, whether it's behind closed doors, whether it's on the field in the press box, whether it's on recruiting visits, or whether it's in closed media sessions, where you demand a retraction from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Is nobody going to talk about the fact that Georgia has a fixer? Quote, AJC story, Bryant Gant is the team's director of player support and its unofficial law enforcement liaison. He schedules players' court dates, negotiates their plea deals, He delivers cash to the courthouse to pay their fines. He accompanies players to the police station for questioning, both as witnesses to crimes and as suspects in crimes. End quote. Now, what does that sound like to you? What does that sound like to you? That sounds like a man that knows how to appease everyone. He'll be our little fixer. He'll get to know Janet down in the solicitor's office. Sure, he's going to get to know Charlie down on the corner who runs the third beat. Clark County Precinct patrol officer. He's going to know all of these people. And he's going to placate them to get what he wants. And what he wants is directly aligned with what Kirby Smart wants. I'm not sure that's a good thing. It's not working. And in this story, I've never, ever, ever, ever been more ashamed to be a Georgia Bulldogs fan, not because of what's in these stories but because of the way the Georgia Bulldogs fans have acted. I understand if you don't feel like some of the stuff is fair or all of it's, if you feel like all of it's unfair, if you feel like all of it's a lie, 
Let us not become the fan base that is so holier than now that we think everything ever written in the English language is somehow there to knock Georgia off the hinges. Did you see reports like this coming out when Alabama was winning three titles a season? Shit, no. It's not happening all over the country. It's happening in Athens. And it's going to keep happening in Athens as long as Kirby Smart keeps winning and Bryant Gant keeps fixing. Four months before two people were killed in a racing incident where Jalen Carter was driving the other car, 89 in a 45 zone, by the way, four months before that, September 2022, Carter driving twice the speed limit, he gets stopped. The police officer says to Carter, quote, I've stopped a bunch of y'all football players now. Y'all need to slow down, dude. The officer suggested that Carter talk to his teammates about their driving, which he depicted as, quote, dumb and reckless. Slow down, okay, the officer asked. That's all I ask. Carter drives home. The dogs win a natty. And two people die on January 15th. The world moves on. There was then the new information that we learned. What about in 2020 when James Cook's court date in a reckless driving case was coming up? Gant worked a plea deal with guess who? the athens County Solicitor's Office. And the Solicitor's Office obliged, as they almost always do. That yeah, we'll drop two charges if Cook pleads guilty to reckless driving. How, do, how does Alan Judd, so let's stop it. How, how would Alan Judd know that, you ask? How would an AJC reporter know that from the seven months of reporting? from phone calls, from being hung up on, emails that never get returned, knocks on doors, doors slammed in your face. That's the job. That's how he knows that sentence can be a fact. In September 2020, with James Cook's court date in his reckless driving case approaching, Gant worked on a plea deal with the county solicitor's office. The office offered to drop two charges if he pleaded guilty to reckless driving, Cook would have to pay $670, make restitutions to the owners of the cars that he wrecked, and he would be on probation until he made the payments and completed a defensive driving course. But guess what? James Cook never appeared in court. He missed his court date, even after all that had been arranged on his behalf. No worries, though, because, quote, in an email headed code red, Gant told Landreth, who is the uh, solicitor's office secretary, basically, that Cook's absence was, quote, totally my fault, said Gant. 
quote continues. Gant asked her to reschedule the court appearance so that Cook would not be in risk of getting arrested. Keep in mind what we're talking about here, September 2020. What's Georgia coming off of? Pretty devastating, devastatingly close calls. Almost national titles. Kirby Smart been there for a little bit now. Pressure starting to mount. So we start getting lax about who we're going to discipline. We got to win after all. He asked her to reschedule Cook's court appearance so he wouldn't be at risk of getting arrested. The solicitor's office replied in an email obtained by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The solicitor's office replied, quote, No worries. Cook never faced consequences for missing that court date. But the, the idea that Georgia is utilizing a guy like Gant, and I don't know Brian Gant, okay? He could be the nicest guy in the world. He could be a deacon at his church. You know what I mean? He could give to the poor. He could read to the blind. The fact that this position exists in this capacity tells me that Kirby Smart knows already that Athens is completely under his palm, whether they like it or not, or whether we like it or not. So, Georgia will likely use this, including all the alleged victims, including all of the people, the neighbors, the people hit by Georgia players in cars. They're left helpless because they don't have a Kirby Smart on their side. They don't have the city or state's most powerful man on their side. If I had that man on my side and I knew I'm still keeping my gig, I'm still starting on Saturday. Who cares if she's a little drunk? Who cares if the speed limit says 45? Who cares if weed is basically illegal? Who cares? I just had one open cognac, Hennessy, in James Cook's case. Who cares? Nothing ever happens to us. So we can do whatever we want. And even if the cops start getting mad about it, the DA's office, the solicitor's office, doesn't seem too concerned about it. In fact, quote, no worries. 300 times. Georgia players have been charged with traffic offenses since Kirby Smart has been there. At least 60 times, players were caught driving 20 miles per hour or more. Three broke the 100 mile per hour mark. And there's a litany of examples in this story. I don't want to just keep beating you over head with it. But the fact is that we didn't know some of this stuff was happening. And these guys are still playing. Kenny McIntosh. Running back, Georgia. Drove through a residential neighborhood one Sunday morning 
2022. McIntosh's speed, an officer noted, posed, quote, an immediate threat to the public safety. McIntosh's high-performance Dodge Charger struck an Uber driver's Kia compact SUV with such a force that it ripped the wheels off of both vehicles. The police arrested McIntosh's McIntosh on charges which included reckless driving. This would be McIntosh's third traffic offense in less than six months. A judge fined him $685. At least that was more than what he got fined or punished by Georgia, because guess what? None of us knew about it. None of us knew about it at the time, including the AJC, just how Kirby likes it. McIntosh played all 15 games that season. Did not sit out one time. Validation. Validation. The culture keeps getting a little more rotten with each of these things. So, what's the punishment, Curb? One example would be, listen to how cringeworthy this is. Tell me if this doesn't remind you of the segregated South. Ugh, it's just weird. Quote from the story, exactly how smart punishes players is unclear. In one instance, in 2019, he ordered six players who had been arrested over the previous six weeks to run the steps of Sanford Stadium in front of a select audience. A select audience of donors to Georgia's athletics department. So some white guys in suits are out there with Kirby, basically the guys paying Kirby's salary, the guys that got Kirby the new indoor practice facility. They'd like the pleasure to come watch these black kids run up and down stairs so they know that Kirby has a hold on the program. Keep in mind, 2019, still no natties at that point for Kirby. So you do have to discipline him a little bit at that time. Not now. Thank God for reporting like this from the AJC. If you trust your football coach to tell the truth better than an investigative reporter, can't be friends with you, man. I mean, it, it, like, like I've said this before, it's like trusting the weatherman with uh, baking a cake. I'd rather have a chef do it. I don't want my chef driving the airplane. I'd rather have a pilot do it. Let's let the football coach coach football. Let's let the investigative reporters report and investigate. Instead of bashing him, bashing the paper. That they're out to get you. Grow up. It doesn't all revolve around you as a Georgia fan or as Kirby Smart, the head coach, or as a player. Fact is, you're going to move on and get replaced. And we'll all still be here watching Georgia. We'll probably forget about a lot of you guys. Certainly forget about Brian Gant. When Mark Richt was here, none of this would have happened. I've heard that before. No, it was still happening. Not at this rate, but it was still happening. But 
it immediately became public. Coach addressed it. So we can't have that here. You got to go. A lot of those guys went on to star other places. Isaiah Crowell, notably NFL running back. He could have helped Georgia. But no, the times have changed. It's a new world for the University of Georgia. Two back-to-back national champions. And just to let you guys know, the story gets even juicier because moments before I began recording this segment, of course, the University of Georgia on July 11th issued a nearly 5,000-word response from the university's Office of Legal Affairs. They wrote almost 5,000 words disparaging this man's reporting. I mean, it's a shame. Now the university's in on it. Now the university's in on it. Now, now we're demanding retractions because you don't like what it says. Just horse shit. Just Mickey Mouse shit. Everybody knows you don't care. Everybody knows the fans don't care. That is true at every single college football program. It is not true that 300 players are cited over a six-year period at every college football program. That's not true. Of course, Georgia would have never, ever addressed any of these incidents. Certainly not with 5,000 words. They would not have addressed any of these incidents had it not been for the reporting of the AJC. I'm going to dive into this pamphlet of a response from the University of Georgia and maybe a bonus episode if I get pissed off enough. Maybe a bonus episode, but it's it's it this is just as cringy. I mean, they could we, UGA comes off as the last kid in the kickball line that didn't get picked. And, uh, you know, he's blaming it on the captain, not liking him because he's too good. He's blaming all this other stuff. And then the captain looks over at the kid that didn't get picked and says, well, dude, you don't have any legs. It's going to be tough to play kickball with you. That's just how it is. No, Georgia doesn't see that. They don't see the the crippledness in some of this stuff. They're going to blame the captain. Can't be us. Boys will be boys. They will speed. Instead of just saying, hey, man, I'm here. I got hired to coach a football team and to win national titles. That's what I'm doing. That's what he should be doing. What he shouldn't be doing is being a part of actively stopping the correction of the mistakes. 
If he doesn't want to be a part of it off the field, I don't blame him. He wants to work on schemes. He wants to be a football coach. I want him to be the football coach. I don't want him having private meetings with selected groups of media and signing off on a demand, a demanding of a retraction that honestly, George's response to this just as I'm lightly reading it. You have to read their response. I mean, it's just, it's just excuse after excuse. He didn't include this. He didn't include that. Here's a quote from the UGA response, and then we'll get out of here. In the Sunday print edition, the story appeared on the front page of the AJC and carried over to two full pages. But the AJC still refused to include the UGA Athletic Association statement in its entirety, as we had requested, end quote. So Georgia gives a big, long statement. This is the oldest trick in the book, by the way. If you know you're about to get hammered in a story and they ask for a statement, give them 90,000 words. No way they can fit all that in the story. Can't fit it on the page. Certainly not in time for press time. Oldest trick in the book. So AJC does what every other reporter does. Try to find actual sentences in, in the response from Georgia that answer any of the questions that were asked of them. Nope. Not that. They didn't include our entire statement. And therefore he's a fraudulent journalist. Burn him at the stake, this Judd guy. Judge, more like dud, am I right? What a piece of shit. This is bad reporting from people that have never written a word in their life. Never reported on shit. Never made a phone call and asked tough questions. If you've never done that, you're out of your depth. And you don't have a right to call anything fake news because you're, it's equal to a toddler talking about long division. You don't know what you're talking about. You wouldn't know it if you saw it right in front of your face because you do have it right in front of your face. A free story to read that shows you there's a culture of players getting away with stuff and playing games in their entirety despite breaking team rules, despite despite breaking athens Clark County law, despite breaking state of Georgia law, None of it matters. It's a gateway thing. When the speeding starts getting allowed, which it's already gotten way out of hand, that's what leads to the sexual abuse stuff coming out. That's what leads to a 16-year-old who's you know being probably hosted by a 19-year-old sophomore or freshman or somebody that's been there a year or two. Yeah, let me tell you something, recruit. This happened to me last year. Ain't nobody ever heard a word about it. I never missed a game. They didn't even care. Another guy chimes in. Yeah, that shit happened to me. Last last time I got 60 miles per hour over speeding ticket, but coach didn't care. Well, if he didn't care about that, he must not care if we 
smoke a little weed, maybe just drink a little bit before we drive. Right? That's what James Cook did. We didn't know we didn't know that before that story. What about Kenny McIntosh? What about him? He played in all 15 games. What about the citizens of Athens? Do they matter at all? What about the alleged victims? Does she matter at all? If it were your daughter, if it were your granddaughter, that has now become less important in this story than both the alleged suspect or the suspect in a crime. He should be an important figure in the story, but the victim should be the most important. Nope, she's third in this story because Georgia fans have made this about the author and reporter of the story with the help of their head coach who gives them permission by demanding a retraction that this is not who we are. Maybe we'll make them run in front of a, uh, you know, in front of a group of, uh, like maybe Elon Musk can come out, build us a uh, Georgia spaceship rocket. He'll get to watch a hundred stair sprints. I don't know. It's just all, I didn't think Georgia was going to be like this. I really didn't think the fan base was going to be like this. If, if a story ever like came out like this, but boy, was I wrong. Let me close up with what the AJC detailed as it's reporting in terms of the numbers. Quote, the AJC filed nearly 150 public records requests to report this story. Our reporters compiled a list of 350 players who have played under Coach Kirby Smart. Reporters spent days, hours, months searching court and police records in Athens-Clark County to determine if any of the players had had arrests, traffic tickets, or other contacts with law enforcement. HAC also conducted similar searches in 15 other counties. Georgia counties, many of them near Athens. The AJC didn't stop there. They searched court and police records in Florida, South Carolina, and Tennessee, just in case to identify cases that happened in our states. They also, the AJC, obtained hundreds of emails between the UGA Athletics Program and athens Clark County Government. Direct emails. The AJC reporter spent months reviewing this information, compiled hundreds of cases, traffic incidents involving UGA players and law enforcement. And in response to questions from the AJC, the University of Georgia issued a statement, which the AJC cut. But I got news for you, Georgia. The AJC can cut whatever they want. You don't get to decide what they write in their paper. You may get to decide whatever happens in Athens, but you don't get to do it there. You think you get to write the story for them? We'd like this to be there in its entirety.
Okay, yeah. I'm glad you found something you like. That sentence means nothing to me. You're not writing it. It's a lot of reporting to deny. If you haven't read the June 9th story entitled Out of Control, Reckless Culture Off the Field Marks UJ Football Team, do it. Because, honestly, at the end of the day, nobody cares if they win. But the least you could do The least you could do is read the words and then start sending your hate mail. But to talk out of your ass after not even having, not even taking the time to read it, that tells me everything I need to know. You just really don't care at all. And honestly, rape, murder, all that stuff, you really wouldn't care about that either if it didn't affect their status on the football team. But I'm confident even Kirby Smart would have to kick people off his team if they murdered someone. Well, I said I wouldn't go long. I think I just went an hour on it. So, weird way to close. Weird way to close. I'm in the extreme minority on this. I mean, it's just simply false. It's false. It's wrong to think. Seven months of reporting at a newspaper, and we all know how well newspapers are doing now. Not well. To think they did all that just to lie about it? Doesn't make any sense. Georgia should have nipped the speeding thing in the bud while it had a chance. Before January 15th. After January 15th. Then they should have said, "Uh uh-uh, no more. If you get caught going five miles per hour over the speed limit, you're out. You're done. I don't want a guy on my football team that doesn't have the discipline to just ride like 10 miles per hour slower. That tells me all I need to know about that guy. Nope, couldn't stop it. So when you can't stop simple things like speeding, which quote happens all over the country, you're sure as hell not going to be able to stop your 16-year-old prize recruits from coming in and allegedly raping people. I still like Georgia to win a shit ton of games this year. Possibly another natty. And I still like the AJC to win in this fight of UGA and Kirby Smart versus the AJC and facts. Give me the latter by a thousand. All right, we'll see you next week. Episode 165 of the Hot Grits Podcast. Next week, I'm Travis Shannon. Y'all stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy animals.
Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the Academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282.